Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello, I'm Sharon. I'm Melinda. For those of you listening for the first time, welcome! Um, and if you're a return listener, or rather you heard our first episode uh, and thought, well, maybe I'll give them another listen, what the hell? You hold a special place in our hearts. Thanks for coming back. And if you're new or old, thanks for being here and getting creepy with us. Also, this is our first time recording in an actual studio, so yay! The sound quality should sound much better than our intro episode and our first episode. Our presentations, maybe not so much, but we're working <laughs> on it. We'll, we'll get there. Um, before we start with today's main conversation, I wanted to quickly revisit uh, last week's talk about Midsummer, which if you didn't already know, uh, this is... Ari Oster's follow-up to Hereditary, which came out last year. Both films are psychological horror classics, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And we wanted to share some fun facts uh, that we found since seeing the film this week. So any movie we talk about, assume there's just going to be spoilers, uh, specifically for Hereditary, if you haven't seen that. Um, Also Midsummer. Um, Also, yeah, maybe everything else we talk about, too. (laughs) Um, In terms of visual interpretation, first off... Um, I was I have to see this movie again. It was so beautiful. But our, I guess Ari Oster was inspired a lot by Roman Polanski, specifically his movie Tess, which which I think makes kind of it makes sense to me. Not to me because I've never seen Tess, but I'll take your word for it. It is on Criterion, and I still have to get you my password so you can log in. But um, we it, it has beautiful outdoor. Uh, visuals got it, got so it. that was really cool um but what real my inner film geek both squealed with joy and felt really stupid for not noticing this um Ari Oster according to IMDb at least uh said that the 1947 film Black Narcissus was a major visual influence in terms of the interior shots during Midsummer. um f- the art direction specifically the thinking the uh sleeping quarters where the the folks stay over all of the artwork on the wall. Um, if you've not, if you're not familiar with Black Narcissus, it's on Criterion, so you can stream it there. It's a movie starring Deborah Carr. Uh, the short of it is that it's about some nuns who try to start a convent in the Himalayas, um, which sounds not like a great horror movie, probably. But it's <laughs> it's a horrifying, riveting, and haunting movie. Slow burn suspense amazeballs um when my parents and i watched it i have the blu-ray and we were watching it just fine um i was recovering from sinus surgery and then this one moment at the end all three of us no kidding like jumped up and screamed out loud in my living room and we're a sci-fi horror fan family like we don't scare easy i can't recommend this movie enough and if you see it you will definitely recognize the uh, art influences from the Himalayan interiors in Midsummer. All right, so I'm definitely going to have to borrow this from you because I do appreciate a good slow burn movie. Then you will like you will like Black Narcissus. Um, I actually was loaned it because I was having sinus surgery, and my friends David and Edward thought, "Oh, they're like, oh, it's really great. Just stick with it." And they didn't tell me it's a slow burn with a good fun jump at the end. Nice. One of the last uh, pieces of info from IMDb that just cracked my shit up was that, according to Ari Aster, um, Midsummer was meant to be his first horror movie since Hereditary was intended to be 
just a family drama, <laughs> which just a family drama, you know, I thought that was really, really funny. Right? <laughs> we can all relate to that one time. I know. That you drove your sister home from a party and accidentally knocked her head off with a, uh, what was it? A, a pole. A street pole. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and I actually just rewatched that movie the other day just because the the spirit of things. And I noticed because of. Uh, shout out to last podcast on the left. They covered that film extensively, and um, they, I noticed something new about the pole she hits, but I'm not going to say what it is because you're going to do a movie again. I did listen to that episode as well, um, and they did really make me kind of reevaluate the movie, but I have not rewatched it since I listened to that episode. So um, that will definitely be something I have to do soon. Well, lucky for you, I have the Blu-ray DVD combo, so I could actually give you a copy. Of Hereditary? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that you bought that. Oh my gosh, I bought it All like right, well, I'm gonna five be... minutes after it ended. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Amazon. All right, I guess I'm going to have to start renting a lot of movies from you. <laughs> um, but it's cool because I like that movie, it, I, I still notice, again, like this was just this week, I saw something that I hadn't noticed at all for the first time, and I've seen that movie like four times, so I have a feeling Midsummer's going to be the same. Um, so finishing up with our uh, our tri- trivia about Midsummer and Ari Aster, uh, this is we found actually Sharon found an article on Cinema Blend. Thank you, Sharon, for pointing that out. You're welcome. Um, thank you. Um, which uh, the actress Florence Pugh, who plays Danny, was interviewed and was discussing her take on the ending of the film specifically and her what how she felt her character was reacting as opposed to what. Aster had in mind and we just thought this was really interesting and so here so Pew was quoted saying I thought it would be so interesting to have the love of her life in the building and she's a kid looking at at fire at a firework that's how I imagined it saying this is some someone that's completely gone now she doesn't realize what's going on and she's just really happy the fire is going up so when we shot it that's what I was trying to get at that's what made an ending possible for me. I don't think I would have supported Danny as much if she knew he was in there. I don't think anyone is that sinister. You're not going to watch your boyfriend cheat and be like, burn. I know Christian was a bit of a expletive. Wait, can I guess the expletive? Yeah. Um, bit of a cunt? I, I, I would have gone with dickbag, but Shithead? I do like, yeah. I think they all work. They all work. Anyway, sorry for But he was a bit of any one of those. Pick your own, your favorite. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want her to be evil at the end. While Aster stated, I wouldn't agree th- with there ever being an iteration of the movie where she didn't know he was burning, but there were a lot of scenes that were cut and probably a few that w- helped illustrate that she was losing her grip on sanity, which hopefully you will see. Two more things, and I swear to God, we'll never ever talk about Midsummer ever again. It's so good. Um, but originally, Midsummer received an NC-17 rating, and they are working on an extended cut of the film that will be at least thirty minutes longer. So I'm sure when it finally comes out on video, and video is how we refer to Blu-rays and DVDs because we're '80s kids, um, there will be an option for this in an extended cut. And yeah, we're, I swear, Sharon's true. Sharon's right. We're going to stop talking about this movie. But I just really want to quickly say, I don't know why I didn't bring this up sooner, but how do you feel about Pew's reaction? Like that statement? Because I thought, and I'm just sorry, you know, spoiler alert, no, the statute of limitations, get over it. This is a horror podcast. <laughs> like, what, that I thought it was pretty 
clear she knew he was in there and that's why he was almost even in there definitely which i thought it was interesting that she thought was like oh no i'm just a kid looking at fireworks i didn't not that she i mean i don't know what type of direction ari aster gave her i mean he might have said it sounds like he kind of didn't totally yeah he might have just been vague he might have been vague and you would think that if she read the entire script she would have known that christian was inside the building when it was burning so it's yeah it just I just thought that was odd because I felt like it was very clear. Yeah, I I agree. I also thought it was very, very clear that she knew. But then again, directors give their actors certain direction to use on how to react. And they're, you know, the cues that they give them don't necessarily match up to what's going on in the film. They were just trying to get that reaction, that, you know, facial expression down. And he could have told her pretend you're looking at fireworks and that's what she tried to do you know pretend you're a kid and and that's what she tried to do and that was the reaction that he wanted the one that she gave and yeah yeah, as far as her not knowing that her boyfriend was burning I I mean I'm not gonna say that she's lying in this article so I have no idea if I were Danny I would have no problem with it honestly because he was a jerk and I don't know. I, I what a part of what I what I loved about this movie is that I felt like this was like the perfect angry ba- breakup movie for those moments when like you are so upset and you you know everyone always has those moments where they just want to cry and throw things and like I feel like this is kind of great for that because it gives you that like sick satisfaction of the end of being like yeah jerk yeah but I've had some pretty fucked up boyfriends and I've never wanted to burn any well no but that's what I that's what I'm saying like (laughs) you don't have to you can watch this movie and get the emotional satisfaction and just pretend oh my god that's Phil burning in there aww Um, so, okay, so for our, to switch gears slightly, um, if any of you out there, which I'm sure most of you are, are Wet Hot American Summer fans, um, there's a fantastic mashup trailer of Wet Hot American Summer and Mid, it's Wet Hot American Midsummer. Um, we can post the links on Facebook and Twitter. It's on YouTube. If you just Google it, it is worth a watch. It's really funny. And yeah, we're big fans of Wet Hot American Summer as well. And also, as long as we're talking about horror movie mashups, this isn't so much of a mashup as a hilarious fake trailer that someone created using scenes from The Shining to make it look like a romantic (laughs) comedy. And it's actually really quite brilliant. Um, Their use of editing is, I mean, this was very, very creative, but I guess you can edit almost anything and add the song Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel um even a movie like a Serbian film and probably make it look like a rom-com uh so we can try and post a link to that too or we will post a link to that too on uh, Facebook and Twitter so you can check those out um because those are pretty funny or you can just go to YouTube and uh search The Shining Romantic Comedy to find that as well or as my mother would say, go to YouTube and Google. <laughs> I have a coworker who actually said that to me once. Really? Oh, was she an older? I refuse woman? to give any further detail <laughs> in public. Old people and technology—it's so cute. I love it. And I'm not like a tech genius myself, so I can't make too much fun of them. But um, I actually think it would be pretty funny to have a podcast <laughs> of just like old people talking about technology. Oh, actually, first episode. What the hell's a podcast? (laughs) 
nobody's still that idea. We just came up with that. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be our new idea. And my mom actually just asked me like two weeks ago. She's like, what, what exactly is a podcast? I'm like, oh, mom, it's like an old-timey radio show, but it could be about anything. That's exactly <laughs> how I explained it to my parents. And then um, my mom learned how to sync her iPad with their – they have a uh, – record player that has a bluetooth connection oh yeah so she got she was like excited to listen i she was like really excited about listening to a podcast but okay let's we're gonna close out midsummer um thank you ari oster uh the final takeaway here if oster considers hereditary a family drama then i'm actually utterly terrified and excited to see what he's gonna do next that's my takeaway. Yay. All right. No more Midsummer. We're done. Now we're going to get on to this week's discussion, which is going to be about horror movies we watched when we were kids. Um, because I'm sure most of you that grew up in the 80s, um, probably 70s as well, you know, a lot of Lashkey kids. I know I was a Lashkey kid. Didn't have a lot of parental supervision. And when I did... I would say that usually um, my parents were divorced and my mom didn't really care too much about what I watched. So I was always famous for um, doing the uh, channel switch where I would sit yeah. somewhat late at night close <laughs> to the TV. And if I was in the basement and I heard my parents coming down and I was watching something that was on like Channel 9, like The Exorcist was showing it like really late on Channel 9 and somehow I was still awake, I'd, I'd switch the channel really quick back to like a cartoon I'm or something. I'm not watching scrambled porn on Cinemax, I swear. Exactly. <laughs> Just slasher flicks. It's so much better. <laughs> so the first horror movie I remember watching as a kid with my parents actually um, was Friday the 13th, the original. I was probably only about six or seven years old and I didn't watch the whole thing. But I do remember vividly watching the ending of this movie with my parents and seeing Mrs. Voorhees revealing that she's the one that's been killing everyone and she was hunting down that girl. And then the two scenes that I remember most are when Mrs. Voorhees gets her head cut off with a machete. It was my first beheading. (laughs) And then the girl who survives, oh my God, when she's sitting in the boat in the water and it's just all idyllic and peaceful. She made it. She's she survived. Safe. And then she's just kind of, you know, her fingertips are in the water. And then all of a sudden, this deformed Jason, this young child covered in seaweed and slime, jumps out of the water and pulls her in. And it scared the fucking shit out of me. Well, I, I, I think you're going to touch on this, but I was just going to say that I recently rewatched this movie, like a few, as of like a few months ago, maybe just yes. randomly. And the first thing I thought in that ending scene, even though I knew it was coming, was like, don't put your fucking hands in the water. <laughs> what are you doing? And to this day, I still have a fear <laughs> of like putting my fingers yeah. in the water if I'm on like a small boat or anything um, because of that scene. So And like sharks. It's dangerous. Don't do it. I'm actually not scared of sharks. Michelle, although they're in like a lake. Right yeah, lake. especially in the lakes, Mindy. I mean, still. <laughs> sometimes sharks do swim up the Mississippi and do make it up here. But um, yeah, that's definitely not one of my fears. I'm more scared of all the uh, fecal matter in Lake Michigan. <laughs> um, but the first horror movie that I watched, that I remember watching at least all the way through, was Children of the Corn. Yeah. And I still think that movie is terrifying. I love rewatching it, and it just terrified me so much as a kid. And 
I watched it with my husband a couple years ago because he never saw it. Um, he didn't really watch horror movies when he was a kid. So um, I have to show him everything that I've ever watched. And he didn't think it was scary. I don't know how he did not think it was scary. I should have made him watch it alone in the dark and then go for a long walk in a cornfield afterwards. I watched that movie with my aunt when I was probably around eight years old. She was 19. And I remember the actors that played Isaac and Malachi. They were so scary to look at. I mean, they didn't even have to say a word. They were like the creepiest motherfuckers. Um, And then the scariest scene to this day that I still get nervous watching is when Peter Horton and Linda Hamilton, who play Bert and Vicky, they're driving in the car and they're going through all the corn and they can't get out of the corn. And it's so frustrating. And then they accidentally hit that boy in the road. And so Bert puts a sheet over him. And then Bert goes into the corn to look for clues because he's like, something's not right here. Because uh, he's a doctor and senses that the boy has already been dead for a while before they hit him. And, and because you, you always leave your wife alone in a car in the right? middle of nowhere in a cornfield when there's a, a dead body that looks like foul play has happened so the she, 80s the what 80s. are you gonna do <laughs> so then linda hamilton's character she like gets out of the car and starts slowly walking over to the boy and kneels down in front of him to say that she's sorry and then all of a sudden he like jumps up and he reaches for her and to this day that scene still makes me nervous when I watch it, even though I know what's going to happen. And of course, there's the opening scene with the children killing all the adults in the diner that is so haunting and just so disturbing, I should say. Not really haunting, but so disturbing. And it's actually kind of the reason why I'm obsessed with small-time diners, that and the double R from Twin Peaks. But there was always this diner in Wisconsin that was near this resort that we stayed at when we were kids. And I used to love going there just because it reminded me of the diner from Children of the Corn. Um, I was just going to say that. And I clearly, as you're talking about this, I'm going, oh, my God, I really need to rewatch this because I have seen this a bunch, but it's been years. But all the one, the very first thing that comes to mind whenever anybody says Children of the Corn is... um, Malachi standing in the middle of the road going, Outlander! Because <laughs> he's got that big face and that big mouth. And I just, he, yeah. And I think that the guy who played Isaac, that actor, like they made tons of horrible sequels. Yeah. And I think he kind of like made his living playing Isaac. Just doing those. Yeah. And I mean, mm. cheesy horror movies, if he gets, I mean, he's never, bills. he's never really going to get the romantic lead in a movie, to be fair. So, Aww. oh, poor Isaac. Um, but anyway. yeah, after the movie, I remember my aunt who, oh, she, she was so mean to me when I was a kid. <laughs> she was like, I have to mail a letter. You want to come with? And I was like, okay. So we're uh, walking like two blocks to the mailbox. It's completely dark out and it's, you know, a nice summer night. And every time a breeze came and like blew through the bushes, she would stop and grab me and be like, oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> and I was like, what? She's like, I think there's children in the bushes. I was like, oh my god, why are you terrorizing me? I'm eight years old. (laughs) Such a bitch. No, she's not. I love her. I love her because she actually introduced me to that movie, and she took me to go see The Lost Boys in the theater. R.I.P. Corey Haim. 
And then she also um, watched When a Stranger Calls, the original with me. She showed me so many of uh, my first horror movies as a kid. So I will always love her for that. And you did live in Manuka. And oh, yes. And I lived in Manuka, Illinois, for those of you who are not, you know, because everyone knows Manuka, Illinois. Everyone knows Manuka, Illinois. But it's mostly a small town in the middle of nowhere. And it's basically just cornfields. So if you already have a fear of cornfields because of Children of the Corn, um, yeah. And if it actually does sound familiar to you, it's because uh, Nick Offerman, if you're a fan of his, he actually grew up there. And as he joked in his book, Pedal Your Own Canoe, oh, you don't know where Manook is? It's right next to Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> And um, Mindy and I actually met him one time at a sci-fi fantasy book convention because he was asked to be the MC for some reason. Um, and he was also there signing autographs of his book, Pedal Your Own Canoe. I was going to tell him that when I first moved out to Manuka, which is basically uh, shopping uh, strip malls and subdivisions in the middle of cornfields, so this just, you know, like, living out there for seven years kind of furthered my fear of uh, cornfields already because <laughs> I literally had cornfields right behind my subdivision. And when I would go for walks at night, you oh. know, like, I could not help but walk past cornfields. And it was fucking terrifying. Uh, yeah. Um, but when I first moved out to Manuka, um, because my ex-husband actually bought a place out there, so I kind of had to live there you know, out of, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> uh, so I was going to tell Nick Offerman that the first time I actually went out and saw Manuka that I cried because I was so upset that I was going to be living out in the middle of nowhere. But then after reading his book, Paleon Canoe, and knew how much he loved Manuka and still has family out there, uh, I decided, okay, I'm, I'm not going to say that to him because it might offend him. However, I did not tell my husband I wasn't going to say that to him. So we're talking to Nick Overman, and all of a sudden my husband brings up, oh, by the way, when my wife first moved to Manuka, she cried. And Nick Overman looks at me in this stone-cold, Ron Swanson serious face and says, I cried when I left. <laughs> I felt horrible. I felt like I was Leslie Nope, who just totally disappointed uh my boss, Ron Swanson. Um, and now I think it's pretty funny, but I won't ever let my husband live that. Day. I don't think it's funny. <laughs> he was totally dead serious, too, because he, I guess, does go back quite often to visit. But, yeah. I mean... I don't know if he was dead serious or if he was kind of playing a, a, a role. Well, I mean, he's a, he's a woodworking man, Ron, yes. uh, Ron Swanson, I almost said Nick Offerman. So, I mean, I don't think he's at risk of getting taken over and murdered by a bunch of children that come out of the cornfield because <laughs> he has, like, access to, like, woodcutting material. But, That's true. like, it's true. So, he, can, he can hold his own yeah. against uh, That's a, a little a different bunch of for him. Machetes. He's got an advantage. I agree. I, I don't think I, I don't think I um made him cry when he went home that night by uh, yeah, no. by that comment. Or I should say I don't think Spencer made him cry. <laughs> it was really funny though. But anyways, moving um, on. Moving on. So do you do you wanna talk about uh some of your favorite movies that you watched as a kid? Sure. Well, um 
I'm going to talk about the favorite movie. It's still one of my favorite movies. Um, is called The Haunting. Um, it was made in 1963. Please don't confuse it with the piece of shit 1999 remake. Um, with all due respect to those involved in that movie, it was just it was terrible. We were not even going to talk about it. Um, but The Haunting is based on the book The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, who is probably well no she is my favorite writer of all time um but it's considered one of the scariest books like Stephen King actually refers to it and actually references it in a lot of his work I've noticed it's kind of funny his son does too which is cool um but uh literally director Robert Wise uh read a review of Jackson's novel in Time magazine and just decided to get the rights to the novel without even reading it um, he did, le- once he got the rights, he did obviously read the book and then later met with Jackson to talk about ideas for the film. Um, and so I, I personally love it when, if you're going to adapt something, do it well. And this film, one of the reasons I love it is that it's one of the best adaptations, if not the best book to screen adaptation ever. But uh, the way it got named is he asked her if she thought of other titles for the novel um, because the, t- the title wouldn't work for the film. The studio thought it was too long. And she said the only other title she had considered was just The Haunting. So he was like, oh, okay, that works. Um, I have been bitching for years about the fact that this movie is not on Criterion because as artistically, which I'm going to get to, is utterly brilliant. Um, I And in doing research for this week, I actually found out that Robert Wise had been on a contract with MGM and owed them one more film, so he brought them The Haunting, but they wanted him to do it on a lower budget, and he insisted that he needed a bigger budget. So in the end, he brought the project to MGM London, where they were able to give him a bigger, bigger budget and decided to do the fil- to film a lot of it there. Um, so that probably... Ex- a, fr- a friend of mine explained to me, like, oh, it's, the Criterion thing is probably just, like, a, a rights issue, and he's probably right about that. Tell us about watching it as a kid, because that's what the topic's about. (laughs) I love this movie so much, clearly, that I could, like, go on for days. Um, So when we, I was three years old and had built a uh, blanket fort in our living room, which was right next to a decent-sized TV. So I just remember, like, doing battle with, like, an X-Wing and, like, the Millennium Falcon. And then we, like, you know, and my mom had the night before put in a tape and set the vcr as we would do back in the old days this is like early 80s and she taped the the channel nine late night movie so she she, while i was playing she's like i'm gonna watch my movie from the from last night and i'm like okay and i wasn't really paying attention because you know i was three years old it's in black and white and what i i'll explain later when one of the things i love about the movie is you don't see a ghost really um so I think my mom put it on with that in mind because she was like, oh, it's not like she's going to see, look up and like see a demon on screen, but it's so expertly done and so creepy that like I was playing in my tent and then I was like, what's happening out there? And I just remember kind of poking my head out and watching it. And then like from midway on, I just sat and watched the whole movie, but didn't pick up on a lot of the subtleties obviously I was like three but I was like this is kind of weird ghosts what 
So how old were you when you like were old enough to rewatch it and understand it? Oh, we almost broke that tape. We I watched that movie continuously over and over my whole life. And so then, instead of like Barney, you were like the haunting, the haunting. And yeah, Forbidden Planet and Dark Crystal. Nice. On rotation, sometimes back to back. Nice. Um and actually I think I was in college and I rewatched it, The Haunting. Um, because then, obviously, as the years went on, we got a VHS copy, like a real one, not just like a crappy taped version that, like, you'd have to fast forward through the commercials for. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now I have, I'm so glad I have it, because I don't think they make it anymore, a DVD that has a commentary from all of the cast and crew before anybody passed away. Um, but uh, I, like, was, I think, in college when I watched it again. And um, Shirley Jackson, as a writer, is very focused on like social mores and um she's very into this the psycho the paranormal excuse me and the psychological and and what society expects of gender and all that kind of those are common themes in her work and there's a the script it was funny as I actually had a big thing written down to talk about the script because the script initially the guy who wrote it Nelson Giddings wanted to do and this is in 19 this is in the 60s he wanted to do and i'm not getting spoilery with this because i want you guys to actually watch the 1963 version but he want this one character the main character is the home film we're not sure if she's losing her mind or if it's paranormal or both and i was gonna say i just watched it friday because I knew you were going to be talking about this movie, and it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, and this was my third watch, and I definitely appreciated it because mm. you know I'm not, you know I yeah. li- I like this movie, but I'm definitely not like a biggest a big of a fan of this movie as you are. Um, I definitely appreciated it, appreciated it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the most out of this watch, and you're totally right. Like the whole time, I'm like. Is she going crazy or are there ghosts? It mm-hmm. it is so like you're like no no she's she's crazy no it's ghosts no she's fucking crazy no it's ghosts you know so it's like yeah and I will have to say as good of a performance as Julie Harris gives her character just kind of annoyed the shit out of me <laughs> so I was actually gonna talk about that because what's funny is that she um, not too long before she passed away may she rest in peace. Um, she actually her take com- care of Corey Haim, Julie Harris, <laughs> <laughs> and River Phoenix. And River Phoenix. Um, she always said that her one regret is she wishes she could go back and play Eleanor even weirder because oh. she thought that Eleanor like visually should have been like more marmy, like marmy and like goofy looking. Marmy, you know, like what is it like school marmy? Isn't that Sco- oh like, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. that the phrase? Um, so that was like her regret. She actually thought she should have been weirder. Wow. <laughs> right. I know. And I was like, I think she's doing, girlfriend's doing okay yeah. for herself as it is. Um, but, uh, the, the script was re was originally going to do. Yeah. The, like the whole, it's Eleanor's just crazy. And it, it the reveal at the end was going to tot- So in the sixties, they were already thinking about doing the same stupid plot line. The reveal at the end would be that they were all in a mental hospital and it was all in Nell's head. Oh, but because Robert Wise actually sat down, that's why he's such a good director. Cause he respects this first material and sat down with Shirley Jackson and talked with her about like her inspiration for the book and all that. Like Nelson Giddings presented this this first draft, and they were both just like, "Nope." Like, and her reaction was, "It's just a movie about a scary haunted house." 
Like she really. So she's not crazy. She well. Or, or is she? In the book, it's even more unclear. So what are some of our other favorite horror movies that we watched as children, Mindy? Um, Pet Cemetery. I think we watched at every sleepover. We watched that in. I'm not. I'll. 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 I'll reserve from saying names to protect the innocent. But we watched that at a mutual friend's house in the basement. Her basement. Uh, in the dark. What? Like fourth or fifth grade, maybe. I think it was sixth grade. Um, and I. Yes, that movie terrified us. Uh, I also read the book around the same time, um, which is also really terrifying. But. Um, I was so scared of Zelda, the sister, and then her, she just was, because she was all sickly and gross and, and horrified, and there's this really scary part where she's, like, hiding in this corner and has a scary voice, and I was, I remember, like, I still, I would not watch that, any scenes with her, I would look away, and then finally my mom was like, all right, I want to watch this movie, because I wouldn't shut up about it, and I'll never forget I was, like, just outside the room where my mom was watching it during, like, the first time we see Zelda, like, listening to see what her reaction would be. And my mom goes, Melinda, you know that's a man, right? <laughs> and I was like, what? And there, it was a man who played Zelda, I found out years later. And it's actually, I've seen pictures since, and I've been like, oh, yeah, that's actually really obvious. <laughs> now. But, like, I didn't know. I was, like, what, 10, 11? I don't know. I remember I had but a crush on Pascal. <laughs> well, he was funny, and he was the helpful. dead guy with the head injury who was missing like half his skull. The ga- yeah, with a giant yeah. gash. Yeah, I think pieces of flesh hanging. Yeah, it's yeah. I had a crush on him in fucking sixth grade. <laughs> he was funny. I, I liked that I don't that know what character. that says about me, but I think you had good taste. <laughs> so I remember watching Psycho two and three. I a, don't as a kid. Really, I remember watching that at my. Cousin Danny's house, um, Nightmare on Elm Street for sure. Oh, we, well, that'll be another story for another time, but we are big Freddy Krueger fans. Absolutely. Um, Poltergeist, definitely. And when Minnie and I were little, one of the games we used to play was Poltergeist. And you know how in the 80s, TVs pretty much only came in two sizes. They were like extra small or extra large. And you either had like that little TV set that sat on your kitchen counter, or you had that you know, big TV that was, like, roughly the size of, like, a smart car that, like, sat directly on your living room floor and weighed a <laughs> thousand pounds. Well, in Mindy's basement, she had one of those smart car TVs, and <laughs> we would put it to an off channel so that there was just snow on the television set, and then one of us would be Carol Ann, and we would sit on the floor in front of the TV with our hands touching towards the screen, staring at the television. And then the other person walks slowly and creepily up behind the person playing Carol Ann. And then when we would reach them, we would put their, our hand on their back. And then Carol Ann would turn around and say, they're here, just like she did in the movie. And then I think the person, was it the person that played Carol Ann? They would go, like, hide in the bathroom or, like, the laundry room or something? The other, the other side, the, the unfinished part of the basement. The unfinished yeah. part of the basement. And we would, like, throw them, like, a jump rope or a string or something. And they would, like, tie it around their waist. I forgot about that. We did that. I forgot about the rope. And then we would, like, pull the other person back from, like, the, you know, the other world, the spirit realm. And then, um, then we would just switch. And then it would be the other person's. Turn. Turn to be Carol. <laughs> I also at one point randomly saw a troll, the original troll, which I do very vaguely remember at this point. Um, but, but we would 
play that game too. It wasn't as nearly as inventive as Poltergeist, um, but that movie also involved a blonde girl that got that got kidnapped. So go for it. Um, one one of us would be the troll, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and then I had a Shira mask, like old school. I'm still proud of that. And so the other. Whoever was the troll would wear the Shira mask and hide. And then the other one who wasn't would be looking around. Where? Oh, looking around for the... And then the troll would jump out. Where's and the troll? When the other person was really close to finding them and scare the shit out of them. And this was pretty much what we did when we hung out together. Find different ways to scare the crap out of each other. And that was good fun. It builds friendships. It builds friendships. It builds character. We got yelled at by my mom a few times because we would get into it. And I remember my mom being like, what are you doing? Like, she wouldn't even come down the stairs, but just from the top of the stairs. We're playing Psycho Killer. Leave us alone. (laughs) Basically. Um, So I want to give a shout out to at lady.called on Instagram, who um, we follow. And she posted a short little clip from the movie Saturday the 14th on her Instagram feed. And I totally forgot that this movie even existed. Yeah. So thank you so much for posting that. And also thank you to at Jason Abaddon. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. For letting us know that this is available to watch on YouTube. Because I loved this movie as a kid. And I need to rewatch this movie. I totally forgot it existed too. And I would love to rewatch it. Thank you. Both of you. That's awesome. Yes. And uh, just a couple other movies. Quickly, Jaws, Fright Night. Fright Night was like a staple in that my house. That was. And my aunt that was like the same kind like yours who would like the bad watch aunt. the scary movies <laughs> when mom and dad weren't home. Yeah. we. I watched that with her. Um, and she like was crazy about the vampire guy. Um, and I have to say that, that the remake, and he was the guy from... Uh, he does the voice the, of Jack Skellington from Nightmare seriously? Before Christmas. Chris Arandon. Chris Arandon, yes. He's also the, the bad guy in Princess Bride. Yeah. But he's also a sexy vampire in Fright Night. And I have to say, I honestly thought the remake was pretty good. Oh, that's I with, liked um, it. David Tennant and... Colin um, Farrell? Yes. Okay. Who was great. And then... Um, uh, uh, David Tennant, they did a different take on the old man ghost show, but it was perfect, and he was fantastic. And then, of course, um, the Russian actor who's uh, Anton oh, Yelton, yeah. poor sweetheart, sweetheart. But he's I love him. He's he, hanging out there with uh, with Corey everybody Hain we just mentioned. Phoenix. <laughs> Julie Harris is making a multi, hopefully. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, but yeah, they. Uh, it was actually a pretty good remake. I kind of recommend yeah, it. Yeah. But the original's always the best. It's always the best. Uh, One's Bitten with Jim Carrey. Like a young, young Jim Carrey. Yes, I remember watching that a lot as a kid. The Lost Boys, obviously. I'm so jealous. Do I need to mention Corey Ham again? (laughs) And Corey Feldman. I still, I love Corey Feldman. Yes. Sorry, Sharon, I just interrupted you, but I'm just so jealous because Sharon uh, was in California, what, two years ago and texted me a picture of her on the beach like oh, yeah. where the big carnival is yes. on the Lost, from the Lost Boys. I was so mad and jealous, but awesome. Y- yes, Spencer. Uh, Thank so you for raising your hand. You're welcome. <laughs> Just to jump in, this is sort of off, slightly off topic, but Wizard World Comic Con Chicago 2019, August 22nd to the 25th in Rosemont, Illinois, yeah. will have, among others... Corey Feldman? No. Shut up. Dean Cain. I don't know if you care. No. I'm, no. Just, I'm just reading. <laughs> I mean, yes, we do. Lou. We love you, Dean Cain. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. 
Jason Momoa. Uh... <gasps> Henry Winkler. Oh my God! Yes, I want to meet Henry Winkler. I yeah, love him. And Chris Sarandon. Oh, wow. oh, okay. We might have to go to that because I would love to meet Chris Sarandon, and I fucking love Henry Winkler. Especially, you don't watch Barry, but we've been watching Barry. I know. I heard it's good. I want. And that watch show is it. fucking amazing. I wouldn't meet them at Wizard. There's more. Yeah. Uh-oh. George Went and Carrie Elwes. Oh, oh, we just watched Carrie Elwes in Stranger Things. I saw that three. was him, and I did. I forgot to check, and I was really tired because I've only seen oh, yeah. two episodes. It's totally him. I'm really glad he lost some weight. I'm sorry. Well, let's not body shame people, Melinda. No, but he looked like unhealthy for a while. I was kind of worried about him, uh-huh. and he looks healthy again. Oh. Okay, well, we want everyone to be healthy. Anyways, Clue. I don't know if we can consider that a horror movie, but. It kind of scared me when I was little, so I threw it in there, and it's one of my fucking faves. It's a mystery. So there's mystery mystery involved. There's murder. Murder. Um, I would just like to say that a friend of mine recently, I I actually got this on Blu-ray for like $5 from Amazon, but there are people in this world who still have not seen this movie, like of our contemporaries. And a good friend of mine that you also know was like, what are you talking about? They made a movie out of the game Clue. And I was like, I think you need to leave my house. But instead, I made him watch it. And then, at the end, he actually was like, I kind of want to rewatch it and, like, really try and follow it. Because I'm like, yeah, because they're legit. Because they have the three different endings. Yeah. Like, they, it's well done. But, yeah, that movie, it bombed in the theaters. Yeah, I know. It doesn't have good ratings, but... It's the greatest it's, movie ever. It's, it's so quotable. The cast is ridiculous. Yeah. Madeline Kahn. All of them. Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Martin Mull, uh, Flames. Christopher. Flames? From the side of my face. <laughs> anyway, yes, I would keep clue Christopher on this Lloyd. List. There we go. Um, creep Show. Oh, I haven't seen that in forever. The Beatle one where he like would catch all the Beatles and like make them into like a shake and he drank them. Oh my god. Well, I don't watch <laughs> bug stuff, you know that. Oh, so I, I just I know. fast forward to that part. <sighs> Um, but yeah, that was a good one. And then there is like the Ted Danson one. And then there was the one with the thing that lived under the stairs. I, I remember really liking that as a child. Little Shop of Horrors. Aww. Aww. Suddenly Seymour. I know. I used to have that cassette and listen to it all the time and Aww. still kind of know all the words. It's kind of oh, scary. Oh, yeah. Um, Gremlins, obviously. Classic. Silver Bullet. Oh, God. Corey, why did you go so soon? This I liked this movie so much. I love Silver Bullet. I haven't seen it in a long time. And the werewolf is played by... I don't remember. Melinda. Come on. I didn't play him. I know you. <laughs> I don't remember. Big I'm... Ed. Shut up. You don't remember that? I'm IMDBing <gasps> it. Not that I don't believe you. Oh my God. Wow. I cannot. He, he and Nadine Everett. are in People Under the Stairs, right? Yeah. Him and Nadine are in The People Under the Stairs. And Everett McGill plays the werewolf. And he is Big Ed. Twin Peaks is our favorite TV show ever. So what do the you fact know? that there Melinda does not fucking know this because she knows everything well i've seen to be fair i've seen silver bullet like maybe twice and it was when i was little so i don't i i only remember bits and pieces when i first started watching twin peaks when i was 12 years old i was like that's the werewolf See, i, I didn't even like rec- even then i didn't oh. even recognize him as being from silver Bullet. i always had a hard time separating him from the werewolf from interesting silver bullet. yeah monster squad which 
Did you watch that as a kid? Because I honestly oh. didn't watch that until just a few years ago. Just once, but it was fun and I liked the cast. And then the last one, The Gate. Mm. I have not seen this. The Gate's good. It's really good, actually. And it holds up because I, was, I saw it as a kid once, barely remembered it, and then we rewatched it maybe last year for Halloween, and we both, uh, Spencer and I both really liked it. You know what I just noticed is not on this list. Oh, what? But we're talking about childhood movies yes, that we, we saw, um, and I'm not thinking of me. I was thinking, thinking of about Antichrist. Else. <laughs> <laughs> was that what you were gonna say? How did you know? No, but um, I, I, my friend Andy uh, would watch. He would sneak watch Suspiria when he was little. He oh. saw it when it was really little. And I didn't see that movie till like you showed me like four yeah. years ago. But like that's, I can't even imagine what a, like a three year old's brain would have thought having seen that. No, I guess that explains a lot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love just you. Kidding. Um. So yeah. So uh, I think that is about it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our talk on childhood horror movies. And join us next week when we are going to have um, some ghost stories, which I'm really, really excited about because we had a ghost story sent into us yes. from a listener. And I think it's really good. Um, I also have a personal ghost story that kind of piggybacks on that one. So send us your ghost stories or scary stories or any other weird or creepy shit that you would like to um, share with us. You can email us at whorestalkhorror at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at whorestalkhorror. And we're also on Twitter. And you can find us at our Twitter handle at whorestalkhorror. So we're all over social, baby. Yeah, we don't love it, but we're there. <laughs> but we'll, if you join us, we'll love it, and it'll be more fun that way. Absolutely. So come hit, hit us up on social. Hit us up all the on channels. social media. Or on email if you're one of those who doesn't like to get into the social stuff. Exactly. And thanks for listening, and thanks, thanks for, for getting, getting creepy, creepy with us. us. Goodbye. Bye.